Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Okay, well, I'd like to welcome um, to, to the show Jimmy Furmond and Andrew Hartman, who are the uh, co-creators of um, an exciting new... Um, is it going to be a graphic novel, folks, or is it going to be a comic? It's, it's going to be a graphic novel, uh, like an anthology. So it's mm. probably going to have about 25 to 30 stories in it. So cool. Yep. So they're going to be doing a new graphic novel, um, which is an anthology um, of, of stories called Shit Fingers. You know, and and there are going to be some follow-up films such as A Shit Too Far and so forth. <laughs> I guess well, definitely follow-ups. But, uh, we like we're going to probably move the stories along every hundred years mm-hmm. to keep it fresh. Okay, well, f- first of all, um, you know, let me, I, let me just point out to our listeners here that the uh, the other English guy is actually Jimmy. And the, the, the American guy, that, that's Andrew, okay? So just so listeners don't get confused and they know who's yes. speaking. Um, but, you know, I'd like welcome you both to the show. I've been looking forward to sort of like uh, talking to you about, about this comic and basically your, your uh, brief career in comic books so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I, I guess right off the bat, first thing I'd like to know is uh, how did you two start working together and uh, how, how long have you both been working in comics? Three, four years ago, I'm, I'm, time flies. We met through um, a mutual friend, um, Shane, uh, and uh, he basically, had, uh, I had a conversation with him about uh, doing comics, something I'd been wanting to do for a very long time, and um, um, he uh, hooked me up with uh, Jimmy, and um, we just hit it off right away, so we just had really similar ideas about where we wanted to go, and um, that's that was the beginning. That's pretty much as it as it happened, really. Uh, and we sort of like just like say connected and just worked solidly for the last three or four years, just basically knocking out comics and just sending them off, getting getting them published. So, cool. Yep. Well, well, from what I've, from what I've, from what I've read about you guys and uh, from the information that uh, you you Jimmy you, you sent me, um, I, you know. You've kind of done quite a few anthology books, um, you know, things such as the, you know, the Apocalypse Now or Never and uh, uh, Steampunk New Originals. Uh, how did you go about working on those? And and as a casual fan of Steampunk myself and um, another of Brian Tolbert's Granville series, uh, what can you share with me about, about, about your Steampunk stories? Everything so far has been sort of by accident, really. <laughs> Pretty much, we, we sort of we sent stuff off. I mean, I sent uh, a, a comic off. He, he he said we don't we don't actually do print comics anymore. He said try sending it to Future Quake, 
we sent it to Future Quake and they, they published it and they asked if you got any more and we've been sending them and they've been publishing them and then the the steampunk gig with Arcana it, it was just an open call we sent stuff off and they, and they, they just accepted it and just, we just keep sending them stuff and they keep liking it so yeah, that's keep it. Doing it. <laughs> just keep doing it yeah no plan we just write and draw what we what we enjoy doing they, they seem to like it, and we just keep doing it. Cool. Do, do you not get? Do you not ever get sent any uh, sort like notes or, or or things to sort like uh, make changes or, or stuff like that by them or? or it, 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 to be honest, we've been lucky in that respect. The, the, the changes that come back are very very minor, and yeah. um, the guy running the, the Steampunk original stuff, Mike Schneider, he's one. He really knows his beans, you know, and he's very very fussy about what he wants. And so far. We've been lucky in that respect. The stuff that's come back is usually not the stuff that, that we've done. It's when it moves on to the next stage, or like colouring and sort of inking, uh, that, that it sort of like gets pulled up on stuff. Because uh, it's like it's the, 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 the sort of the finer details. But really with the writing side of it, we've been very, very lucky with what we've drawn and uh, what we've written has, has been, they've been happy with that. Cool. In fact, the only, the only time he, like, I had to do a follow-up story with the steampunk stuff, which was like uh, an expanded story within that universe, and then it, it, it he it started to fall apart slightly. So I did get a lot of um, revisions on that because it was like, he, he I can't remember specifically what it said, but he was. Well, he was pushing you in a good direction. He, well, yeah, he was. Yeah, what he said was was all right and all correct. It was very constructive. He, exactly. Yeah, he's never he's never just vicious. It was all yeah. all constructive. He's he's straightforward. He does not pull punches, but he is. It's always for the good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how, how exactly do you guys work work together? Um, and did you just send send, send sort of like panels along to um, to Jimmy, and Jimmy does the writing, or, or is this sort of like uh, you know how how you know how how is the uh, give and take with with how how you uh, how you guys work together? What's your working process? It's kind of the other way around, actually. He writes a script. Uh, sends it up to me, um, and I draw it. <laughs> it's really as simple as it gets. I usually don't have anything to say about his scripts because I love them, so I just dive right in. I've started to notice that I'm writing in a short hand now just for Andy, that I have to sort of slap myself when I'm writing for other people because I, I literally do not have to spell it out to Andy. He literally, uh, at this stage of the game, he symbiotically knows exactly what I'm asking for. So I have to really sort of rein that back uh, when I'm writing for other people because I, I, I literally, I've only just noticed that I've started to do it. Where I'm, <laughs> but I've made you a little bit <laughs> lazy. <laughs> Maybe I don't know about lazy, but... I know. It's this shorthand. I totally understand what you're saying. Because I, I started reading my pants and I and it's only from getting scripts back in for, for the anthology that I see that the detail that other people put into their scripts that I'm no longer doing. So yeah. I'm really have to kind of start keeping a, a, a check on that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just just as a, just as a side question for you both, um, I'm I'm guessing that you know as well as writing comics, you've both been fans of of the comic book genre for quite a while, right? So I'm just oh, yeah. just wondering, uh, what artists and writers from from comics would you say have been your your biggest inspirations? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, when it comes to art, uh, I mean, I've. You know, I've been a fan since I could remember, frankly, and uh, I've been influenced by many of the many of the kind of classics growing up. The, the you know, John Byrne, Jack Kirby, and such. More modern days, um, I 
in love with uh, uh, Frank Quietly's work. His work just really speaks to me. And uh, Brian Hitch, also, I love his work. His work is stunning. Um, the, the level of detail that he does is just mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, to you, Jimmy, your, your favourite writers, um, and, and to broaden out a little bit, it doesn't have to be just comic book writers. Oh, oh, God. I mean, the, the writers that really sort of, I mean, they sound so cliche now, it's just like Stephen King was, was the, the person that really put me onto writing in general. But like comic writers, Pat Mills and Morrison and Moore, and like the sort of the early sort of British sort of 2018 writers, the ones that, that really sort of, influenced me at the very beginning okay well um now, now on to the subject of uh, of, of 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 the development of shiftlingers um how, how did you guys decide on the title because as i said right at the top of the interview it certainly stands out like i say it started off as a as a, a throwaway idea at the beginning of, a, of, a, of, a, of a, the, like to say the pulpy world war ii book we write wolf spain mm-hmm. and it was it was going to be set in sort of like the sort of 19th early 19th century it, it was gonna it was based on the the, the, the monkey hanger myth of Hartlepool and I created this little sort of like mad little opening with these like sort of French-speaking monkeys and French you know military uniforms and Andy sent back these amazing drawings I mean I mean proper amazing and it, it just literally took over it, it, it became more important than the main story that we were writing and it never went away and it was something we, that I wanted to expand upon and keep it keep on growing with the ideas and when i, I wanted we, we wanted to come up with a, a title for it I, I toyed around with a lot lots of different ideas and that was the one that stuck the only thing the only concession we did make was dropping the there wasn't there shit flingers but i thought shit flingers just sounded better it yeah, rings better definitely mm-hmm. and, and I, I agonized over the you know the shit part because like yeah i mean obviously you're you're being a little bit you're pushing a boundary with that, but it's... Is it, though? I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Is is it, like, I'm not sure it is anymore. It's kind of like that That has kind of almost dropped away, where it's not It's not what it... It doesn't have the weight it used to. So I think it's us doing it as sort of kind of like saying, you know, it's time, you know, just it's fine. You know, it's not, you know, it's it doesn't have the stigma that it did. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, but it's still, it's still because of, the fact that it had the stigma it still has a nice punch to it. Did they sort of like start out as, you know, your average and lowest of the low soldiers or something? Um, because Wolf Spain was essentially about werewolves being conscripted against their will to fight for the British government. I just thought, I thought this idea is how would other governments treat supernatural beings? That's, and that's just where it's sprung from. And I don't, I think initially they would, when it was first written, it was more that they'd just been like drafted in because they ha- happened to be supernatural monkeys, you know, and that was it. I, I, I don't think they were mistreated. They were probably treated better than other soldiers of the same rank. I mean, before they got cursed, they were just... No, no after. Cause they would, oh, a- after, okay. Because of those, that, those unique abilities, that, that they would be, you know, more valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, how did, it, how did it go from sort of like uh, starting off as a World War Two to actually starting off in France in the 1400s? Uh... Well, like I say, the Hartlepool myth is based around that sort of like early... I think the dates that I would have looked up was, was like 1805. So that's when the opening would begin in 1805. But when, when I started to say, well, how did they become these monkeys? 
and, 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 and I don't know why it just ended up I wanted to sort of be able to tell stories going back hundreds and hundreds of years and then it eventually I don't know I got back to like uh, the Battle of uh, New Orleans with uh, Joan of Arc and that's that just became the, the start point mm-hmm. and I, I, I just it just felt right as that from starting at that point uh, I wanted to go back there to incorporate a story involving Agincourt but it, it, none of nothing then would link up history wise it had to be uh, what, 1329 or 1429 or whatever, or whatever it was and that was the, that was the, that was the initial jumping off point and I think everything else just literally slotted into place it, 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 it arrived whole and fully formed how, how did you actually come up with the um, because basically uh, each character is a different ape uh, what what sort mm-hmm. of like informed your decision for example to uh, to make you know to make a uh, uh, Gu- midnight um, well, in, I- in you know, in, into the ape that 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 he is, and you know, you know, what what kind of informed your decision to you know ha- make make different characters, different apes, um, as in? Did, did, I mean, that's mostly Jimmy's uh, um, input. Um, it uh, it kind of grow out of the the design drawings that he was talking about that I did for uh, for Wolfsbane because I had essentially gone out of my way to draw these different apes and monkeys in, um, in these, you know, French military uniforms, he had specifically stressed that he wanted a variety of, of primates involved. So I, you know, done a bunch. Um, and I think, uh, like Willman specifically was established even from Wolfsbane, um, as the leader essentially of the, uh, of the, these French monkeys was a, uh, a capuchin. And so that was kind of established from the beginning. Um, and they kind of grew out from there to kind of, well, you know, they became who they were, became almost, be, you know, uh, despite me, I just kind of, you know, drew them and they, they grew from there. Um, but, uh, but the, the delineation was something that Jimmy had built into the, the script when he wrote it. Well, I love the art, by the way, you know, from, from the PDF that, uh, that Jimmy sent along, I just love, love the, uh, the different, the different apes and different characteristics of them, and uh, I can't wait to see them in full strip. Oh, they're fun to draw. Yeah, so we we just got uh, a coloured poster back. We've just been trying out the, the logo with, and we're not going to show it just yet, but it looks amazing. It's like a group shot. It looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah, one one of the things I loved about you know reading notes that you sent along to me, you know, what was the different characters. Um, you know, they, they sort of put me in mind of the of the different people that kind of worked with uh, with Doc Savage in the in the Doc Savage uh, novels and 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 um, strips and stuff. Um, did Doc Savage and and stuff like that have any influence on you know ha- how you develop these different characters? Uh, um, do you know what? No, because I've I've never read any Doc Savage at all, so uh, I'm completely unaware of it. <laughs> It's like a. Um, I want to read it now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah. I, so I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. The, the, the Doc Savage, the Doc Savage books are cool. You got this. Uh, you got this one guy. He's like he's superhuman. You know, doc, well, he's not even superhuman. He's a normal human being. But what he's done is he's he's studied. Uh, he studied himself. You know, to to death, and he's sort of like uh, built his body to absolute perfection, sort of thing. And you know, you saw like um, they usually set the stories usually set sort of like uh, circa nineteen thirties, forties, and stuff. And um, 
you know he's got these he's got these different people that work with him and each one has you know different abilities and like one's an exceptionally good driver and the, the other ones are you know scientists sort of thing they've each got their own skill sets and they, and they each look up to him sort of thing and and collaborate with him and and this song like uh, this there's always this sort of like a uh, banter between him and, and and the other characters which is kind of fun to read if that's if that's what it is, that's exactly what we're hitting for. Exactly. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. But they're they're a fun read. The uh, you know the Doc Savage novels. If you can get hold of, if, especially if you can get hold of some of the uh, some of the original ones. I think I think they've actually you know republished some of the original ones on Kindle and stuff like that. But. Definitely getting them now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's all sorts, and DC also did a pretty good comics comic strip of them of, of them as well. And um, mm. there's a, you know Dynamite have actually started releasing a new comic book series based around Doc Savage too. And it's like it's it, you know it's a fun it's a fun character and um, fun read. It's very very much in the so like. Um, you know, very much crime and over the top villains, and you know, out, outlandish adventures. Pulp. It's just pure yeah, classic pulp. Pulp. It's brilliant pulp stuff. Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty much where we will be. You know, aiming our arrow. So, yeah, absolutely. If it, if it's if it's like that, that's exactly where we want to be. Well, um, you know, one one of the other things that fascinate me is they, they you know, as soon as they they're put under the curse by this witch, they 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 uh they they kind of get conscript conscripted to work for for the uh, for a secret organization within the Vatican that deals with supernatural threats. Um, what prompted you to song I have them working in 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 the Vatican as opposed to any any other organization? Truthfully, I, 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 I knew that I wanted Torquemada, Thomas Torquemada, to be uh, their uh, handler, if you like, their boss. And I wanted him to sort of uh, enjoy a uh, Herbert Long type breakdown. If, if, you know, like the Pink Panther. Uh-huh. Uh, the, sort of the, the character who played the Pink Panther, I can't remember his name now. Uh, but I wanted him to enjoy that kind of breakdown. And that was the only reason I set it in that environment. And I just thought it'd be cool to, be, to have it in the Sistine Chapel. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I thought there was a, a huge avenue for, like, you know, fighting evil from there. Yeah, sort of the, the idea that they they have a more direct line to when these, these you know, demonic things come into the world, um, you know, because of who they are, um, that, you know, and the... Schifflingers basically is their, you know, their police unit they send out when when that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only reason. I, 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 you know, it allows you to kind of play with the, you know, obviously what it was like during the, um, you know, the Inquisition and, uh, yeah, you know, kind of, you know, see the change from, you know, with them kind of accepting their role in the Vatican to them kind of slowly starting to reject it the other thing as well a lot of what we'll like you'll find is a lot of the monsters that they go up against are not really monsters at all and it's 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 the system that they work within which is the monster and it's there they eventually become uh disillusioned yeah disillusioned is probably a better word yeah with with the whole you know catholic hierarchy I'm not having a go at the church per se, but I'm having a, a, a sort of a go at, you know, 
those or the church during that period. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I should imagine from from an artist's point of view, you know, set, setting this within the Vatican just opens up to all sorts of um, of visual possibilities, and you know, you know, tricks can play on the reader's eyes and stuff like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, the very first thing I ever drew was the floor of the Sistine Chapel, um, and it was, you know, it was a lot of fun because it's a, an amazing floor. I mean, even the floor, you know, I mean, everybody is aware of the ceiling but the floor itself is an amazing piece of work and um you know so it's it's absolutely lends itself visually um when you're putting something like that together it's you know it's kind of funny because you know you know once you get beyond the uh, 1400s um you know in, in the rome in the, in the mythology of the roman catholic church you have the uh, story of bernadette and the story of lords in france you could always send them to france you know, around oh, they, they travel. They do a fair bit of travelling. There's, there's oh, yeah. all sorts. You know, there's probably all sorts of possibilities within within the history of the Roman Catholic Church itself. That you could sort like, you know, it, it is, but I'll, we'll only be dealing with it with this book, though. With this, with the first sort of like hundred years, uh, and then we're moving beyond that. I think that I think kind of branch out on their own. Yeah, that's just where they begin. Mm-hmm. After that, they, I think they find their own morality after that. Uh, I basically just set them up as like uh, soldiers for hire. Cool. Well, um, you know the, the the actual premise is outrageous enough that you could probably have a series of animated movies with it. Um, live action. You know, We're live action. Live action. Oh, live action. So you know, if that if that were actually a possibility uh, for you guys, you know, to, to you know to have have that you know come from your from 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 from, from ship flingers, if you will. Uh, who 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 do you think would be be a good fit for the voices of of of, of the different characters and such? We were yeah, thought about that a little bit. <laughs> I, I personally would the the only one definitely in in stone would be uh, Mike Tyson for Hain. <laughs> that, yep. that would that would be my. He, he's already he is the voice inspiration for the character. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, totally, Mike Tyson. Uh, John Noble for Granul. Uh, yeah, we talked about like the the uh, Walter Bishop from Fringe. Mm-hmm. I think he, would be. Yeah, he also plays. He's a very good voice. He also plays a sin eater in the um, in the new Sneepy Hongo series that started last year as well. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, didn't so like he, he kind of um, he, he 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 turned up um, in it, you know, towards the middle of the series, and um, then he made a further t- two or three guest appearances. And he's pretty much now set in stone as a series regular on that show for the oh, new right. series. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's sort of like um, he, he's got a very interesting role in that. Um, but then again, Joe, John Noble does does doesn't do uninteresting roles. No, he doesn't. That's very true. Yeah, sort of like he's a fantastic actor. Um, yes. I don't really. I have. Beyond that, yeah, I'm not sure how much. Yeah, really, exactly. Yeah, it's not really. Uh, kind of let them grow. We, I guess, we did talk about hot um, song for uh, yeah, for for Blake Air. I forgot who who was it that you had in mind for that. Um, uh, I can't remember. <laughs> was it Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> who was it? Was it Samuel L. Jackson? I can't remember. I, I remember it was someone yeah. kind of. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you wanted someone kind of who had a little bit of a you know playful side, you know, for that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd probably be happy with Sabo as Samuel L. Jackson now. To be yeah, honest. totally. Yeah, you know, 
you know, you know, given the eye patch, uh, Samuel L. Jackson rocks eye patches pretty well. So you've, you know, well, the first draw I ever seen Andy do a sabo, it, it literally it looked like Nick Fury <laughs> as a baboon. <laughs> it just looked amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, basketball kind of looks a little bit like a frog. <laughs> well, he is a frog. He is. Yeah. Baskerville's a frog. Yeah. Baskerville's a frog. Brinnell is an orangutan. But, yeah. I, 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 Baskerville would just be like sound bites, you know, like clips of songs and movies. and It's sort of like a supernatural pop culture reference generator. Yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Um, in 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 the story, the they they all get turned into uh, apes, and I think one of them gets turned into a wolf. That's right. Yeah. Um, by 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 a by a witch. Um, is is this witch likely to recur in in the other stories, sort of as an arch nemesis, or is she sort of like a one off sort of like plot device that turns them into you know the 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 uh, the characters that they 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 become? If she does turn up, it won't be for a long, 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 long time. Uh, and to be honest, other witches will turn up because it, it becomes kind of like a, a long-term goal by Guillaume and Cotard, the wolf, to source out witches and find out, try and sort of like get to the bottom exactly what happened to them, try and sort of, if possible, to uh, change it back. But like we said, as just with Andy, that both of them would go about it in totally different ways. Mm-hmm. Like Guillaume would would want to sort of learn the knowledge, and if possible, using God re- return to normal. Whereas with Corta, it's kind of like each time he finds access to some dark knowledge, it just makes things worse and worse and worse for him. But but you can have a lot of fun with that, though. You know, different different witches mean you know how do you make how do you make one witch look different from the other and so like uh, are they a male or a female and and, and stuff like that or, or or indeed are they are they um, something else entirely well that was one of the things we, like sort of sat down and, and did was i didn't really want to just you know find monsters and then just do like you know the cliche sort of monster of the week kind yeah, of situation exactly. yeah, we sort of sit down examine them from a different point of view yeah 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 so I've, I've kind of sort of started doing that um coming up with sort of like a like a system hierarchy system and i haven't really sort of it's all really in pencil at the moment but i'm sort of building upon that but i don't want it to be just like you know crazy women living in the woods yeah <laughs> yeah slightly slightly more to it than that yeah, well, I think I think to be honest, if you used to do if if you used to do it as crazy women, you know, messing around around in the woods sort of thing, you know, you you are right not going that direction. So I think your readers would be disappointed, and if not, they'd be half expecting that sort of thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. Totally. You know, we do. We have got a witch story. A witch uh, story has already come back. But it's it's it, 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 it's kind of approaching it in a different way. It's a funny way, and you know? you'll see when you come when you read anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, when is the uh, when is the book likely to come out? Is it is it is it a few years off or is it are you hoping well, to get it out this year? The goal the goal is to have the all the artwork the book sort of it, it, almost complete by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm sort of aiming for, and then uh, to try and kickstart it uh, sort of early middle next year. Uh, so uh, you, you're going to be you're going to be hoping to you're going to be using the crowdfunding sort of uh, model. Yeah, we're going to kickstart it. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm just in the process of putting that together. To be honest, it, it's going to be. I mean, I've already sort of done one already, a, a smaller scale one. Mm-hmm. This is going to be slightly, slightly bigger. But I think, I think, 
it'll gain a bit. I think it'll gain a bit of momentum in the next sort of couple of months. Well, it is sort of like a new the new business model for a lot of uh, startups. So um, it's yeah. I mean, it, our friend Shane has had tons of success with it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so like uh, my, uh, my my friend Matt, he's a filmmaker, um, and uh, he produced he, he, he's, he produced a web series, and he's uh, he's producing another web series uh, with uh, with the Lovecraft Easy, with the creator of the Lovecraft Easy. Um, at the moment, they're, they're using they they use they use Kickstarter um, to uh, you know to try try and get the funds to uh, to to make movies sort of thing. So uh, yeah. You know, so you're right. It, it is it is kind of like a new model, but um, it's also a hang of a lot of work. Well, any any method of selling a book is going to be a lot of work. This is just one method, but yeah. um, but it's one that we've like you know Jimmy's already had some success with it, and uh, and you know we've we think that the product is you know solid enough to find an audience. I, I, do you know what? I, I I don't even care if it fails. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one way or another, it's getting printed. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. we're just gonna we're gonna aim at Kickstarter first, basically. Well, g- guys, you know when 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 you do get when you do get the Kickstarter campaign up and running, let me know. Send me an email with a press release or something, and we'll try and run it on SciFiPulse.net for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. Ian, you'll be the first to know, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been brilliant talking to you guys, and um, I'm really looking forward to the book. We ought to do. Yeah, absolutely. So are we. Very, very big for yourself for that. Thank you very, very much. Oh, no problem. It's been bringing. Hi, my name is Steve Lund, and I play the character of Nick Sorrentino on the new sci-fi and space series, Bitten. You are listening to Sci-Fi PulseRadio.com, taking the pulse of sci-fi. Remember when science fiction drama envisioned stories that were happening where no one had gone before? Discovering and exploring other worlds far, far away. While many of these series and films became cult classics, somewhere along the way, this genre got lost. Imagine if there was a place where you could go watch exciting new space opera series made specifically for the niche audience that you are. Imagine if this place was conducted by a team as passionate as you about science fiction and who would use all their background experience to make sure you get the best entertainment possible. SOS is a not-for-profit independent production facility that brings together writers, special effects wizards, and other creative talent from around the world who've worked on some of the most recognizable and respected science fiction franchises. So throw away your remote control and get real control by joining the Space Opera Society right now. With as little as $1, you can change the future of entertainment today. For more information, please visit our website, which is, of course, spaceoperasociety.com, where all your questions will be answered in our Frequently Asked Questions page, and don't miss our short video presentation from some of our Space Opera series in development. And a step off the limb. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind.